It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He takes being cook to a whole new level. These students can't afford to feed themselves. Do the best you can for your child. And you look around for support and there's nothing there. Just get up and do our best today and that's all you can do. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Do you know, at one stage over the weekend, I decided I wanted to take a break from endless coverage of the invasion and the war in Ukraine and Russia and I kind of pinched myself and I said PJ why are you saying this they, those poor people can't take that break think how lucky you are to be able to take a break so go straight over there this morning we'll talk in a few minutes from the border a woman to a woman who lives in Cork is trying to get across the border. We're keeping in touch with her all weekend and she's getting near the border and trying to get over. But I want to go first of all to the city of Lviv where there's been huge activity there in the relatively safer western side of Ukraine. Air raid sirens in the air of course morning, noon and night and people trying to get through into the train station and trying to get to the border. And over the weekend broadcasting like he has done for many, many parts of the world the BBC's Fergal Keane and he joins me now. Fergal, good morning to you. Good morning. Good to speak with you again. Um, Describe the situation in Lviv this morning where you are. It's a a relentless surge of of humanity really flooding into this city. People coming from the east where cities are being encircled. A lot of people from Kharkiv, uh, for example, which is a city close to the Russian border. I was only there last week um, before the invasion and people were nervous, they were tense, but nobody could have envisaged what we're seeing now. Trains packed with people travelling across the country. And the great fear, of course, is that if they don't get out, the Russian bombing is going to escalate. There's going to be a lot more civilian casualties. And that leads to, to what I'm seeing here in, in Lviv at the, the railway station, for example. Chaotic scenes as people try and get on the very few trains that are going to the border with Poland. Now, I mentioned in the introduction there the relatively safer city of Lviv. But for how long can it remain relatively safer, do you think? Well, I hope for a long time because um, 
the not least because I'm here, but mm. more importantly, there's there's hundreds of thousands of of defenseless refugees here. And um, but Lviv is right, you know, close to the Polish border. It's about eighty kilometers from here up to the Polish border. And um, for the Russian army to try and invade here and and hold it would be a massive logistical um, and military task. You know, to 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 spread themselves so far over this vast country would be simply too much for them. I think um, certainly at the moment, and it is a war that is manifestly not going well um, mm. for the Russians. So I, you know, I'm I'm placing my faith in that that they don't get over here. Yeah, you've covered the the effect of war on ordinary human beings, Fergal, the world over for for thirty years. You're seeing again, I expect, in in the faces of those people, the things you've seen in other faces worldwide. Yeah, it's a sense of of bewilderment because you know the thing about war is, it just in a matter of hours, entire lives get turned inside out, and that is the 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 you know the real problem it, how do you deal with the situation if you're sitting in you know just imagine you're sitting in cork at home uh, and all of a sudden you've got 20 minutes to get out grab what you can grab your kids and rush uh, try to get on a train or or end up walking through the snow imagine what that is like and that is the reality in the lives of hundreds of thousands of people right now here in Ukraine, and that's what I'm seeing in their faces. Mm. And is it safer then, if they can get across that border into Poland? Is it a whole different thing, Carl? Well, you know, the first thing that counts for people is physical safety. You know, you want to get yourself and your kids into a place where you're not going to be killed or maimed and where your children aren't going to be traumatised by uh, by witnessing atrocities. That's the first priority. So in that sense, yes. Uh, the other thing that needs to be said is that a lot of the people who are heading towards the border with Poland, with Hungary as well, of course, with Romania, but they have you know relatives and friends who are part of the great Ukrainian diaspora um, in the rest of Europe. So they will hope to link up with people and get some comfort, some refuge there. Now, that said, as this war escalates and more and more people are forced uh, out, the, the the kind of exodus itself becomes the great trauma. Mm. And um, this fear, because, you know, I'm sitting there with access to social media, uh, to Twitter accounts where I can follow what the Russian military is doing. People don't. Most mm. people don't have that. Um, you know, the level of intelligence uh, in terms of, you know, military intelligence that's available online. They don't, they can't access that. Mm. And so they've not, they've no real sense of what's happening. Mm. You said that by any sense, this is not going well so far for the Russians. Is there a fear out there that they might get more aggressive, Fergal? Yeah, I think there is. Um, what has clearly happened is that it was a badly planned invasion. It was based on hubris um, by Putin, who has gambled a lot and always been lucky. So if you think about his invasion of Crimea, the military action against Georgia, his military actions in Syria, the military actions that Russian forces, mercenary forces, um, have taken part in Central Africa. All of that has gone well for him. But it's a very, very different thing to taking on a country like Ukraine, a big country with a substantial army, which is increasingly well-armed uh, by the Western Allies and by NATO. And mm. you, you add that to the massive sanctions. I mean, really really huge economic sanctions which have hit the country and just today whose effects are really really being felt. You see it in people queuing uh, at ATM machines, the Central Bank of Russia doubling its interest rates 
um, the, you know, this is an economy that's now under siege. So, you know, what we know of, of, of Putin is that he's not a man of moderation. When he's in a corner, he lashes out. He has never been in a corner quite like this. Mm. Is the Ukrainian army managing to keep the sky battle under control? I mean, it's it's very difficult to say if the Russians have complete air superiority. Um, what we do know is that the Ukrainians have been very effectively using Turkish drones, Turkish-made drones, to attack Russian columns. And they do it in the classic way um, of you hit a vehicle at the front, you hit one behind, and then when they're immobile, you start hitting the rest. And that's had a huge impact, particularly on the Russian ability to feed its troops and to get fuel um, to the troops as they go forward. If you can't feed an army, I mean, Napoleon made the point, an army marches on his stomach. He learned in this part of the world how true that is and how disastrous it can be when it doesn't happen, as indeed did the invading Germans uh, back in the 1940s during the Second World War. So supply problems um, are certainly very, very large for the Russians. Yeah, so that, that drone tactic is working in that they can't get fuel for the tanks. I guess that, that as long as Ukraine can keep that up. I think one has to be cautious, though. You, if, if you look at social media, there's a lot of gloating about the, the reverses and failures of the Russians. I, I think people need to be very careful about mm. that. Because as you rightly pointed out in your question a few moments ago, what's the... It, you know, if it's going wrong, what's Vladimir Putin's normal kind of response? It's to escalate. Yeah. Now, if you escalate in crowded civilian areas, and, and we're talking about big, huge cities, you know, particularly like Kiev, if you start shelling these uh, with heavy artillery to try and bring about a subjugation of the military, you're going to cause massive civilian casualties. And, uh, you know, it is my own hope as a human being, I'd put my journalistic hat to one side, that mm. some kind of ceasefire yeah. uh, can be negotiated for the sake of civilians. Come back lastly, Fergal, because I know you've got to get about your day's work. Come back to the ordinary people, and I'm thinking now of the people who cannot leave, who cannot head for the border. Can they get food in the supermarkets? Can they get money out of an ATM? Can, 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 they, can they last? Can they survive? That depends where you are. I mean, if you're in, in Kharkiv, the evidence that I was getting last night talking to people arriving at the um, the railway station from the east is that supermarkets were out of food. They, they couldn't get cash. Increasingly, they couldn't get water. They were running out of power. They were running out of, of uh, you know, petrol and diesel to be able to use vehicles. So, that's why so many people are on trains. Yeah, and uh, that is, you know, increasingly a reality in the east. Now, here where I am in Lviv, it, there's still food supplies. People are able to to get food but you know they're facing these long journeys. I spoke to one mother who was on a train for 24 hours with her teenage son and two little girls and they ran out of water after about six hours and they're you know the kids are dehydrated they're exhausted it's getting worse and going to get much worse Fergal lastly and I know you spoke out yourself a year or two ago about your own health problems as a direct result of all the conflicts you covered in the world are you all right, mate one cork went to another yeah, I am. Um, in the sense that I am, I've made a decision. I will not go near where the bombs and shells are falling. I'm finished with all that, um, and I will stick to the humanitarian side of the, of the story in what is still, as you put it, a relatively safe place. All right, and and you're you're the best in the business at that, Fergal. And we'll maybe speak again in the days to come. The great Fergal Keane of the BBC, Corkman. I grew up and went to school in Prez. Uh, and great to speak with him live this morning from Lviv in Ukraine. Now. Vika should be there. She's trying to get... Vika, tell me, you're trying to get 
over the border. Where are you right now as we speak? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, we're driving from... So, first of all, we're five days in the car already. Today is the fifth day. Yeah. We started driving from uh, Kiev on Thursday. That's the day when they started bombing. So, just short story. I was uh, in my friend's house sleeping, and around 6 a.m., she started waking me up, saying that they bombing airports, uh, and it was explosions, uh, and airport is around 20 kilometers away from the house where she lives I thought they pranking me you know I thought they joking I'm just opening my eyes and I can hear nothing and then after a few seconds I started hearing as well this uh, shooting and some kind of uh, flashes in the sky you know so that was very scary we really didn't know what to do and she had uh, empty tank but uh, empty petrol she had didn't have petrol on her car so she drives to put petrol and all the petrol stations they were so busy like 50 cars and uh, more and then she had to drive to Burispil that's actually where they exploded the airport so she had to go to this town to put petrol because that was the the quickest way mm. So, yeah, she put petrol and we started driving from Kiev very, very slow because the major road uh, on the way from uh, Kiev through Zhitomer, it was uh, destroyed. As they say on the radio, try to avoid this area because they shooting uh, civil, uh, they, ju they just shooting people on the road. They fight in there and just, just simple people can get in trouble as well. That's why we had to take all these small roads through villages, through small towns. Uh, we passed Lvov uh, when, uh, two days ago and already two days we, we queuing to the border and uh, we're moving very slow. Like yesterday we passed only five kilometers. Mm -hmm. uh, day before as well it was kind of five or six kilometers. So just 20 kilometers to the border is a terrible queue. Yeah. It's traffic, thousands of cars. And like how, how far like are you from the border now, Vika? Do you know? It's five kilometers, five kilometers to the border, but they say that we can be standing until tomorrow or the day after tomorrow even. Um, yeah, and people, just for you to, to understand, the people driving with two-month baby in front of us, there is a family, they have two years old, they have two-month-old baby, and my mom, she is in Ireland now with my children, and she's watching all the news she's worrying. She said that, I'm telling her this, and she said that on the news, they said that small families with babies, with small children, they can go without uh, waiting. And I said to this man that you can try drive your family without queue. He tried, and they uh, brought him back. They said, no, everybody queuing, you have to queue as well. We Everybody have children, they have old people in the car, so everybody trying to run away but uh, no no and, one and, can and go Vika, what, is, what is causing the hold up is it just the sheer volume of people trying to get to the border as my, uh, I have friends already in Poland who are waiting for us there, and they said that from the Polish side of the border, everything is very quick. They are accepting people. There are hundreds of po Polish people with cars. Uh, they want to accommodate Ukrainians. They want to, to give any help. 
taken from the Ukrainian side. So for some reason, Ukrainian side doesn't want to let us out. Yeah. They check in very thoroughly. They check in all the cars, all the documents. I don't know why they're doing this to their own people. But, you know, I think that in this case, they just have to open the border and to let and Polish side, the, the, the safe side. They can be checking people uh, like, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's hard, 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 hard for me. It's it all sounds. Hard. It all sounds terribly frightening and terribly, terribly tiring. How are you feeling? We're very tired. We have eleven years old boy with us. He's already sleeping all the time. I think this, you know, after four days, uh, all our bodies they just exhausted, they just wrecked, and we just like like in some video game, you know. I I even posted on my Instagram that I feel like I'm in some video game, but the only difference is that we don't have three lives here. We're really scared, and you know, we saw rockets flying above us after. I think it was before Lvov in some area, we saw some rockets flying above us. We could hear explosions. They they were exploding uh, some military uh, objects, some military uh, places. And in Lvov we woke up and it was uh, serene, you know, it was so loud, so terrifying. So we we just exhausted physically and mentally both. You're trying, you're trying to, of course, you, you, you're, you live here in Cork and, and you're trying to get back to Cork. It seems like an awful yeah, long way yeah. away, doesn't it, Vika? Yeah, it's very scary. You know, and uh, I live in Cork eight years already and to Ukraine I'm going once, twice a year just to do my um, health things, to check in hospitals, to check with doctors. Uh, this time I went to do my course. Uh, some educational things, and so many people were saying, don't go now. I, and I was like, no, no, they're talking about the war for the last year already. They say it's a hybrid war, nothing will be like... And now, you know, now I understand that uh, I would better don't go, because uh, no guarantee that I will be able to come back now. Yeah. Have, have you had to leave family behind, Vika? Yeah, yeah, I have my brother, he's in a city which is uh, bombing now at the moment, they just sitting underground. They say that they can hear something is going on there, but they cannot go out and have a look and they just have to sit underground in shelters. Uh, some families don't have money, don't have car to drive away. And they they have just to sit and wait. Like my friend, she's uh, with with her daughter. They sleeping in the bathroom. She just texted me in the morning that they sleeping in the bathroom in the bath in case something will happen. They say that if you're not underground, so in the bath, is the most safe place. So they just laying down there. This my friend with her daughter with kid. God, this is I don't. I don't think we can imagine. We really can't imagine what it must be like. We can't possibly understand. You're you're you're, you're fabulous, beautiful country. And as I said yeah. before, Vika, I've only ever been there once. It was only ever there for a few days, but I loved what I saw. And and you must yeah. be so sad for your country. It's very sad that other country came. They invaded and they destroyed these streets where we grew up places where we spent our childhood we we saw this in different condition when now it's all neglected all getting destroyed and you know what the worst thing that uh, russians they actually our brothers and sisters we were growing all together you know it was ussr and now 
even a lot of followers from uh, from my Instagram who live in Russia, they're very aggressive. They're saying that it's Ukrainians' fault that Russia came to save us. They want to give us freedom, but we're not. We are free. It's our country. We're happy here. No need to rescue. No need to save us. We're okay here. We will sort things out without any help, you know. But I don't know why they think that they need to save us and they they killing our our people our boys. My friend, he's uh, he went uh, uh, to fight now. He he's he he's man. He owns his own business and now he had to leave everything. He organized his friends and now they just driving and shooting and doing all these scary things. What we can see on YouTube, on Instagram, all these things, yeah, he's doing now. Because he said, I have to protect somehow. This is very scary, you know. People who you know, they're not militaries, they're not soldiers. They're just simple Ukrainian guys. And they go in and they fight in like, like soldiers, like militaries. Yeah, it, it's it's so, so awful to listen to and to, and to watch. So is your hope, Vika, that you'll get to the border today or... We hope that it will be today until night because one more night in the car, we, I think we will not survive because it's very, very difficult. Okay. Just, I hope so. But you, I asked some uh, some man, he just uh, came to the car and he offered tea, coffee, just some old uh, old man, he lives here and, you know, that's how they help him to us. Uh-huh. And I asked him, do you think we will pass today? He says, I don't know, girls. He said, I don't know, maybe not today, maybe tomorrow. So we're will trying to stay positive. Will you do something? Because I know that listening to you now, Vika, there are people here in Cork who know you, who know you through your work and your business, and they are now going to be very worried. So would you keep in touch? Let us know when you're okay and what's happening. And we might talk again when you get to the other side. Would that be okay with you? Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we have a lot of free time now. Good. Stay safe out there now. Mind yourself, Vika. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take great care of yourself and those with you. Whoa. You just can't get your head around it, can you? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The Takeover. On Cork's 96FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up. Takeover. You pick what we play. With Cork Dental Care's One Day Invisalign event, Saturday, March 26th. Looking for the perfect smile? See CorkDentalCare.com for more. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories. Cork's 96FM. Other people very upset listening to Vika uh, and the place in which she and her friends and an 11 year old child who's now just sleeping all the time. Uh, the, the the difficulty in which they find themselves. My God, PJ, listen to that girl. I'm bawling, says this message. It's just beyond heartbreaking. It makes me realise the small things I take for granted. Love the show, it's brilliant, says Anna. Thank you, Anna. And just tragic is a one-word message. Um, 
Right, we talked to Tatiana a week or two ago when all of this was, uh, I suppose, looming. Uh, Tatiana, hi there. Hello. Hi, Hi. DJ. Hi. Now, your mum, I think, got out of Ukraine, got into Poland, and is due to get a flight today. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, it was a nightmare, PJ, you know, and it's it's very emotional for me to speak about this because the town where she lives, the nearby town, was bombed first day of the war when it started. And then she took nothing but just the documents and she fled to the border. She had to take around three buses to get there and she spent 36 hours at the border in the bus without water um, so before she could cross the border and you know the bus was full of women and kids newborn kids um, it, it's terrific you know it's hard to explain it still feels surreal really yeah, yes. and once she gets into Poland as, as Vika told us there in the last live call from Vika's trying to get to the border as we speak but once she gets to the Polish border it's Come, come in, you're welcome. Come, where do you need to go? They're really, really helping. Absolutely, yeah. So I, I, I'm very, very grateful to all Polish people uh, out there. So, you know, they, Ukrainians now can cross the border uh, even with the uh, outdated passports and, you know, even, you know, without uh, foreign passports. So they are very sympathetic and understanding and they are trying to do as much as they can to speed up the process. And people on the other side of the border, you know, they have sandwiches and, and some warm food and, you know, they are using schools and any, you know, anything they can offer to, you know, to... Sh- to give shelter and, and something for the Ukrainians who are trying to escape. Um, that's tragic. It's one, but it's wonderful that they're there and they're doing that. So, like, your mom now, for example, how far is she from an airport to, to get her flight? Yeah, so she's flying at 5, which is 4 p.m. To the, tonight to, to Dublin. Um, and, you know, uh, Ireland was amazing to cancel visas for Ukrainians because usually we would need visas to, you know, to, 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 to get into Ireland. But thankfully it was cancelled for, for people mm. who have relatives here. Mm. Um, so it's huge help because um, for sure, you know, and there how, would be how no chance for something. she get to the airport? Is, is she close to an airport at the border? <laughs> Actually, my husband flew to Poland on Friday to meet her, so he is there uh, helping her to get um, into the airport. So we had to we had to make this. So he is he is in there. That's 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 really really good. But you're still very worried, I think, about your brother because he had to stay behind. Is he of fighting age, Tatiana? Well, fighting age at the moment is anyone between 18 and 60. So that's a lot of people. And my brother said he is just waiting for a call and he is ready and willing to fight. And I believe this is how a lot of people feel. And not just men, but women and uh, even, you know, people below 18 years, right? Mm -hmm. So people are united and people are determined to go and fight and and just for people who will ask the question, Tatiana, why he couldn't come with your mum, he's not allowed out, is that right? No, 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 men are not allowed out, so it's only women and kids, so men will not be allowed to cross the border. That's terrible. You must be desperately worried about yep. are you able to, are you are you in contact with him? 
Yes, yes, I'm in constant contact with him. Um, so, but he is, you know, he is not afraid. Not, not a, you know, not a minute. He is very, very determined, as I say, and that's, you know, true about Ukrainians, right? People are not afraid, and that's amazing. You know that I'm so proud of, you know, of him, his decision, and decision of many people like him. Um, you know. Ukraine will win with this determination, I'm sure. Your your people are so incredibly brave, Tatiana, aren't they? Yeah, they are, they are. And I think they are united, you know, with, with all that happened. I think people got united like never before. And, you know, the president is amazing. You know, people are amazing. I think, you know, in this tragic situation... Um, you know, it's the best what could have happened um, to, to get the nation united and strong. When will you see your mom? Hopefully tonight, fingers crossed. I don't think you can describe how that's going to feel. Well, she is emotionally broken. She can't eat for, you know, so now that she has, uh, you know, possibility to eat, she just can't eat because she is so broken emotionally and you know she left everything behind she is afraid about you know her neighbors the family it's you know it's difficult it's very very difficult well she'll be with you and you take good care of her and take good care of everything else and tell your brother we are all thinking of him here thank you so much thanks pj tatiana thank you 0818-969696. PJ, I worked in Ukraine for over two years. I guess more importantly, I worked in Dushanka as a paramedic. My heart bleeds for these poor people. If you can picture Ireland back when it was horse and cart, and people living on the land, that's what it's like in some regions. And on the front line of the war, as people even back then were subjected to nightly shelling, it's heartbreaking. I know they have nothing and were just forgotten about by the world, gripping to that lady, talking about try, listening to that lady trying to talk about crossing the border. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. It's it is it is actually heartbreaking to listen. It really is. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers. The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Cork's 96FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96FM.ie. There are any number of collections going on uh, over the weekend and other people's trying to ar- arrange collections. And we might do something about that in the fullness of time. I see here where Sky's Europe correspondent, Sky News, a guy called Adam Parsons, He's just tweeted that the EU, or that the Ukraine rather, Ukraine has appealed to the EU to allow immediate accession. Which sounds to me like Ukraine has asked the EU, can we join? Like now. Whether it's going to happen or not is another another question. Let me go to Pavlo. Now, Pavlo, you were on your way to Ukraine. 
Yes, I am in Ukraine right now. Yeah, you've got there. You've got there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about the journey. Oh, well, it, the, the journey was really was difficult, yes, because even on the Polish border, we couldn't cross the border by walking. So uh, we actually had to ask people who had cars to give us a lift. I don't know what was the problem, but it it was like that. Yeah. Then we got stopped by uh, our police in my city uh, because they thought we were Russian forces, you know, spies or something, I don't know. Yeah, yeah uh, finally I got home. I took a shower, uh, we're gonna take a small nap maybe, and we already uh, spoke with the fellow from uh, local defense forces to join them. Now, you, so work, you work as a plumber, I think, is that right, Pavlo, here in Cork? Yes, So yes it is. Why, why did you decide to go back? Uh, I don't know, it's kind of, it's when it started and I woke up in the morning when my mom ran me and she said that like, there is there is war in Ukraine, and like it was hard to believe that, but it is what it is, you know. So I think from that moment, I knew uh, I was going to Ukraine, but like I I I didn't know exactly how to do it, like because obviously you 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 can't just fly fly to Ukraine right now. So we had to go through Poland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your your hometown is a place I think called Lutsk, is that right? Yeah, Lutsk. Yeah. Just describe it to me. Where where is it? Is it near the border? It's 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 actually yeah. It's it's not far from Belarus. So uh, on our news, Ukrainian news, we kind of we hoping they're not gonna come. That but like Belarusians might come as well. So uh, yeah, we kind of expecting expecting that as well. And I is, hope that's not the, gonna happen. Is the place quiet at the moment, or is there? At the moment, yes, it is. Thanks God, it's quiet at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And how close are you to any activity, shall we say? Uh, the closest activity is probably is gonna be Lviv. So it's about two hours, maybe thirty minutes drive from my place. Yeah. Because yeah, um, there is, I think there is some planes flying above the city. Uh, yeah, I mean, like it's it, it's 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 still quiet there, but like probably Kiev, Kiev, it's 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 the where, where all the like yeah, terrible think. stuff is going on, you know. Yeah, and you're quite a distance from Kiev, I think, aren't you? You're a very long distance. Uh, yeah, well, at the moment, yeah, but like I don't know. There are, our plan, if if it's gonna be quiet in my city in next like day or two, we're gonna probably head there and and see how well, what we can do there or help some because because uh local uh local people gave us a list what what our army needs so, yeah. we'll, so we'll try to get that stuff as well but you're at home but, now and you've had something to eat and a bit of rest and whatever so what are you doing are you literally going to see what you can do where what what well yeah yeah well next step is obviously join the local defense forces right and yes, and then I think people know what they're doing already, so we can uh, help with some stuff. I don't know what exactly, but right. And is there, like an, ar- is there like an army base nearby that you can go and join, or do you have to? Is there a people's brigade, or what is happening? So uh, a friend of ours, he was already there in the territory defense force. So um, he's just gonna speak with some people, and they will help us to join. You know, without without a queue, basically. I see, I see. And they're calling on people, I think, to, to bring khakis and bring gear and bring... 
bring whatever they can bring. Yeah. You're, you're in, it's, it's hard to understand the bravery. You're here in Cork working as a plumber and you decide to pack up and go straight home and now you're going to go out and put on a uniform and maybe take up a gun. That's, incredible. Well, I hope That's incredibly brave. Yeah, I hope it's not going to happen, but like, you know, who knows? Um, yeah. I think who is, who is really brave because you split it into two groups and uh, some of the people, they went straight away to Kiev, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there training for you? I mean, do, like, do you as a young man have to serve in the army anyway? There's none of that there. No, you, you've never been a soldier before, have you? No, I've never been a soldier before, no. No. you frightened by what might face you? Uh, sorry, again? Are you frightened by what might happen to you? Uh, I'm just trying not to think about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. So who's around you now? You're with family. Uh, me, my father, uh, one of the fellows that was going from uh, Ireland with us. Uh, my mom is nearby and my sister. Yeah. So basically I'm in my house right now. Okay, okay, the house where you grew up. Pavlo, you be safe. You be safe Thank out you. there. All right, take great care of yourself. You're a, you're a man of, Kevin says, built different. That puts it right, built different. Uh, Pavlo, a plumber here in Cork, um, could have stayed here in his life. Safe job, plenty of work out there for plumbers at the moment, but no. Gone back to defend his country and defend his people and defend his family. <sighs> if we could bottle that. 0818 96 96 96. Yeah. That sums it up, Kev. Built different. 0818 96 96 96. Fiona, you were telling me this morning in the office that uh, you were putting Charlie to bed at the weekend and he started talking and kind of took you by surprise. Yeah, he has a globe light on his locker and I hadn't spoken to him yet about what was happening over in Ukraine and um, I was putting him to bed on Friday night and he started saying to me but there's Russia and there's Ukraine and um, the, the people from Russia are going into the people from Ukraine and it's not a good day for the people from Ukraine or it's not a good time and um, you know I, I was saying it to Fergal as well over the weekend you know you can't hide what's happening no. you know from your children um, and I think you know, I I wasn't really sure what way to describe it to him or what kind of language to use How to describe him. He, he just turned eight there in January, um, and especially when he was going to bed at night, because you know you don't want to give him nightmares, but you want to be real about it. So we've decided to bring on um, child psychologist and lecturer in psychology, uh, Dr. Mary O'Kane, to just kind of give parents advice, because I'm sure there are many parents in that situation who don't really know how to explain it to their young children. Do you know, and I mean you can't hide from it; it's all over the place at the minute. You know, yeah. so um, yeah. Um, I'm just hoping that we get some advice from, from Dr. O'Kane this morning. Let, let, let's go about that right now. Thanks, Fee. Dr. Mary O'Kane, good morning. Good morning, PJ. I think Fiona's story uh, will have been replicated in many different ways, in many different homes over the weekend. Youngsters, inquiring youngsters, asking questions. You don't want to lie to them. You can't hide it from them. So how do we talk to them? Yeah, well, funny, I think you've hit the nail on the head, PJ. 
Fiona is not alone in this. I have been receiving so many messages and we think it's all the little ones, but it's not. I had a lady whose 18-year-old son was terrified that he was going to be conscripted into the army in Ireland and he was genuinely really fearful. So it's all age groups. I think Fiona made a really important point there that we we sometimes think, oh, we'll protect them. They are going to hear about this. And so sometimes as a parent, we think, oh, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to um, hide this. I'll keep this from my children because I, it will frighten them. And I, that's the first thing I would ask parents. Please don't do that because if we don't talk to them and they have heard about this and they will, whether it's on the radio, whether it's from a friend in the schoolyard today, um, if they hear about it and we don't talk, they're trying to process it on their own. Mm. And listening to you this morning, PJ, talking to people, this is hard enough as an adult to process. Very hard. Yeah, with... Exactly. So for a young child, now, having said that, PJ, one of the first things I'd say is for parents to try and limit news exposure that your younger children in particular are getting. And mm-hmm. um, to so say you have a four year old, they might have heard nothing about this. You know, you don't want to burden them with something if, if it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. However, um, a lot of them will hear and it is best that we have the conversations. The first thing is to have the conversation when you're calm. So when you're really upset, and I know, say, example, some of the stories that um, people are telling us about their personal experiences, and you're devastated listening to them. That's not the moment to bring up the conversation with your own child. You just need to take time to, to breathe and to calm yourself. And the reason for that is when the world feels a really scary place, our children look to us for calm. So they need us to be speaking in a in a calm and um, reassuring way. Mm. Funny, Fiona's talking about a little fella with the globe. Now, that's one thing I recommend sometimes, PJ. You know, when, when somewhere is very far away, and particularly for young children, it is important that they know this is not down the road for them. You know, this mm. is far away. But showing them a globe or a map can actually, young children are very concrete, they're very visual, so if they see something, it makes more sense. And if you talk about the Ukraine, it, it doesn't mean an awful lot to a young child. They may not understand what this is. So, you know, in concrete ways can really help. Mm-hmm. We've talked before, you and I, Mary, about you don't, you've you got to protect your children from the worst, but you've also got to not lie to them. And that's a balance. Oh, yes. Yeah, it is. Be as honest as you can, PJ, in age-appropriate language. And obviously, at different ages, that would be completely different. But say say you have a young child, okay? You can say something. The first thing is you always ask them what they know. So you don't rush in giving them lots of information. You actually say, tell me, what have you heard? So you're kind of trying to let them lead the conversation because they may not have heard what you assume they've heard. But then... Try to be as honest as you can. So something like, you know, you're right, you know, there is a war. For, for little ones, I would actually say this war is far away from Ireland. And I don't mean to um, belittle what people are going through, but l- young children are terrified it will be my family could be you know, impacted. So it's important to tell them it's far away. You're not in danger here, 
but we are all really worried about the people in the Ukraine. And you'll be honest with them that you are. It, it, uh, let them ask questions. But you know, sometimes, PJ, there are no answers. No. You know, And it's okay to say that, to say, you know, I am upset. I don't understand why this is happening. It's difficult for me to explain it. You know, you can tell them something like, um, you know, the leader in Russia in this country wants more land and he is going into the country beside him. So really simple terms. But if you if they say to you, but why would this person do this? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's OK to say, I honestly can't explain that. You know, it's very complicated. And, you know, I don't understand why somebody would put lives at risk you can be as honest as you can Mm. with them and then again for older ones PJ it'll be much more complex do you know what occurred to me Mary too is that so many of our kids and you know we didn't grow up this way but our kids are and in a way it's great our kids have got friends whose moms and dads are from Ukraine and they were born here and they've got grannies and granddads and aunties and uncles in Ukraine and in Poland so the, it, it's very, very personal to them. And then they bring oh, it home PJ, to you. Yeah. You know, oh, my, yeah. my friend is and terrified. You know His granny PJ? is in the war. Yes, that's exactly it. And you know what can help? Because, you know, particularly for teenagers, if, if they don't have friends in Ukraine, or, or keep in mind, they may have friends from Russia. You know, and you know, we have to be aware of harmful stereotypes as well. Yes. You know, there are children going to school today who were born in Russia or their families are from Russia. And they don't necessarily support this. So we need to be very careful that our children understand that the children in their class in Ukraine, their children in the class who may be originally from Russia are all just like them. You know, mm-hmm. we are all the same and, and no child is responsible for what you know, a leader of a country can do. But funny, PJ, you know, we're always talking about empathy. And, you know, this is a time also to talk to your children about what we can do to help. You you were talking about collections there. You know, it could be donating to a charity. It could be collecting something for the children. It can be lighting a candle in your home, PJ. Mm. But it's, it's so good for them to for themselves to feel there is something I can do to help. Mm. But it also brings an awareness of how other children in the world are being impacted. Mm. You know, children in the Ukraine who a few weeks ago were living their lives just like you. And now this has happened to them. So let's see what we can do to help because that's what we should do. We should, when our friends, when others like us are in trouble, what should we do? We should try and be a helper. Mary, what do you say, lastly, to the three words that no parent wants to hear at bedtime? Daddy, I'm scared. Ah, do you know, PJ, it, it... it's just so hard. I think the most important thing is to say, that's fine. That you know, We talk about validating their emotions and validating emotion and emotion is letting you know this is normal. This is natural. And it's okay to be scared, but what do you do when you're scared? And get them to think about when they're feeling these difficult emotions, what do they do? Do they need to ask for a hug? Do they need to talk about it? Do they need to do their really slow breathing? And um, maybe little you know, books, you know, there's a lovely book for little ones and it's called Lubna and Pebble. And it's about a little girl who is in a refugee camp and she 
she has her special pebble and her special pebble is keeping her safe and in the book she meets a child who needs that pebble even more and she gives it to the other child there's some lovely books I've actually put up information on social media PJ but the most important thing to let them know is yes it's okay to be feel scared but talk to me you know, your connection with your child your relationship is the best tool you have to support them at a time like this. Okay, I'm going to leave it there, Mary. Thank you very much, as always. That's Dr. Mary O'Kane, lecturer in psychology and and education. How do we talk our small children through this? Some advice there, I think. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Okay, uh, we will talk about other things besides the war today obviously but I do need to go very quickly because he's left a meeting to be with us to Victor. Victor good morning to you. Uh, Hello. Hi. You wanted to talk to people about the support that you're getting around Cork. Um, Yeah thank you very much for letting me to talk about this. Uh, We've been rolling uh, uh, around Ireland for for the past uh, couple of days Well, for for, for the past two Four or five days, uh, and the support was amazing from uh, from everybody, from uh, from all from all kinds of nationalities, and uh, especially uh, what we what we tried to do on the uh, over the weekend, uh, we tried to get some uh, uh, first aid, first uh, uh, first uh, uh, most necessary support for our soldiers uh, uh, on the on the battle on the battleground and. Uh, Yesterday, especially, uh, we had uh, uh, we we had a collection in Mach- in Machen, yeah. and we collected a lot of uh, a lot of uh, medication, medicine, and bandages, and uh, and uh, you, you know um, sleeping bags and, uh, and and roll mats. This is what this is what our soldiers need yeah. right now from us. And we also gave uh, uh, almost a thousand euros for people that actually go in into Ukraine, into the battlefield uh, to deliver these things. Yeah. So uh, I want to thank everybody yeah. who came yesterday to Machen Point and, we, uh, and helped us. To we, did, we, did, we did tweet about that. And, and there are lots of other collections that people want to start. So I guess, Victor, what is it that your, your countrymen need? They need, obviously, medical supplies, medicines, bandages... Uh, look, uh, there is a there is a, there is a lot of need. Uh, there is a lot of things that I needed actually for this, uh, for this. But um, as of now, not everything can get through. As you can imagine, there is a mayhem on the on borders, and a lot of people trying to to get out, and a lot of people trying to get in, and uh, it just uh, and it has to be thoroughly checked, and uh, everybody understands that, and uh, so we can't really get everything through. And in, and in large and in, and in large quantities. So we are going from uh, uh, so we are so we are so we are going from uh, point to point. So when we have a truck coming out and there is a space for, for something, we we rally the uh, we rally everybody here and uh, and we get that 
and the, but most important things are uh, things like uh, you know bandages and uh, and and blood stoppers and uh, painkillers and and sleeping bags and and roll mats. This is the most uh, necessary things. Of course, uh, I'm not going to be talking about military, um, you know, stuff like uh, radio stations, uh, helmets, uh, uh, bulletproof vests. But uh, we all understand that. Uh, it's not like it's uh, you know you, you can just go here in Tesco and just buy some sure, uh, sure, something sure. like this. So how, uh, how are you getting the stuff there? You taking it over, driving it over overland? Yes, yes, yes. There are. Um, I mean, you've seen uh, you've seen around uh, you've seen around this uh, Eastern European uh, you know food food uh, shop chains, and uh, so there are a lot of trucks that are going back and forth still. So uh, uh, when they when they come in here with the you know, we said European food. We are loading them up with uh, with stuff that uh, that are going uh, uh, towards uh, oh, towards, so these towards are the, Ukraine. The, the, the trucks that stock the Polish supermarkets, kind uh, of thing. Well, I mean, not uh, it's it's not uh, it's not exactly uh, just that, but there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of uh, um, uh, there there's a, there's a um, there are a lot of people that drive back and forth to sure. Ukraine and sure. delivering stuff to people. I mean, the support of uh, um, the support of Ukrainian people to the to the Ukrainian parents and uh, and relatives was always there. So, uh, so uh, this uh, this supply chain was uh, is very well established, okay. uh, and, uh, and and no one on both on both uh, um, you know sides of the of the border, and they know and they and, they, and those people are known there. So, uh, okay. And they so uh, when we do when we send something out, uh, it has to be also checked here, so nothing gets. Through you know, which is um, you know yeah. illegal. I understand. Like so, I uh, understand. It all has to know. be checked. That it will get through and get through easily. Victor, thank you for talking to me. Please keep in touch. And if there's anything that we can do, then we will do it for you. Is that it? so? You stay in touch with us, Victor. Thank you very much, PJ, and thank you very much, everybody, for listening and and supporting Ukraine. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. That's Victor Danny Luke. Um, they're gathering stuff and sending it. And there are supply chains. Thank you, Victor. There are supply chains between here and Ukraine and here in other Eastern European countries to get the stuff back and forth. 0818 96 96 96. Yeah, talking about the children and talking to the children about the war, the book that Mary was saying or talking about was Lubna Pebble. And it was written by Wendy Medgore. Lubna Pebble. Pebble, rather. Lubna Pebble. I'm sure my friend Mr. Breen in Waterstones or any other decent bookshop could get you a copy of it. I have a lad with special needs who watches and listens to everything. He's scared we're going to be attacked in Ireland. I've told him they can't come over here. They're not allowed. But I've just an an 18-year-old then who with his friends are convinced we're going to be attacked by nuclear and he's scared he's going to be forced into the army. I told him Irish Defence Forces are peacekeepers, and that won't happen. But the young people are very scared. And Joy was on to say, she's got a 14-year-old who's not sleeping, that they're so scared by this. I, my name is Alina. I'm Ukrainian, living in Ireland for 13 years. I have my mom still living in Ukraine by herself, as my sister and my father died a long time ago. I always wanted to bring her over to live with me and my family, but couldn't due to very complicated visa requirements. 
Now she's stuck in Nikolaev in the south of Ukraine. There's no way for me to get her out as there's no transport and mum has mobility issues. It breaks my heart that I can't help her. I just want to thank Irish people and Irish relatives for being so supportive. I live the nightmare in which my mum was in trouble, but I can't do anything. I'm just hoping this won't escalate any further. Thank you. We will return to the war um, again later in the morning. But I just want to pause for now and talk to Liz Buckley about cyber security. I know it's a total change of tack, but let me talk to Liz because small businesses and indeed individuals, we do need to be aware of our cyber security. We all know what happened to the HSE last year with the big attack on the HSE's systems. But every one of us, from small businesses to individuals, are in danger. Liz, good morning to you. Good morning, CJ. How are you? Good, and thanks for holding. Liz is from Dell Technologies. Cybersecurity is something that can affect any one of us. It's not just a big takedown of the HSE. It can affect any one of us. And you have a you have an event coming up uh, tomorrow. That's right. So the event tomorrow is just to go over some basic measures on how the individual can protect themselves at home and indeed for the small business as well. Um there's some very straightforward, um, easy-to-apply measures, and people just are not aware of them. Um, they don't know even maybe that they can be vulnerable, and that's sort of the key thing, and, and they're the aspects that we'll cover tomorrow. So much of us, or so much, so many people are working from home, and even as life returns to some semblance of normality post-pandemic, people are now staying at home to, to do a lot of their work. And they think, don't they sometimes, Liz, they think that at home, well, you're safe. Yeah, like up until now, up until recently, people definitely have not been aware. And like even the fact, the biggest problem with home networks is the sharing of the Wi-Fi password. Like most people at home will connect all their devices to their Wi-Fi access point. And that means that all those devices are on the one network. And that also means all your guests and all your visitors coming over are connecting to that network. And through no malicious intent on their part, they could have an infection or a virus on their device. And if that gets onto your network, it could could infect your device and then render your machine unusable. Or in fact, it could actually use your device for further attacks. And that's how these viruses work. So so something simple like, Liz, someone coming over to play with your kids or visit your kids, and obviously they have the Wi-Fi password for for their tablets and their phones, that could could pose problems if you're not careful. Is that right? Absolutely. So the greatest advice I could give people at home is most routers do allow you to set up two Wi-Fi networks, one for guests and one for your private devices. So I, I'd highly advise you to set to, to look into that. Like I say, it's per router. So log into your uh, router through the web application that say the likes of Vodafone or Air provide and set up a guest network so that you can still give access to the internet, but your devices are safely on your network. I have, yeah. Okay, I'm sure that's probably something that we need to spend 10 or 15 minutes figuring out how to do. With the situation, the worsening situation in Ukraine, Liz, people mm-hmm. who work for ho- from home for multinationals, should they be particularly on their guard? 
Well, to be fair, most multinationals do provide VPN servers for their their uh, employees to use. And what this does is it actually creates a secure tunnel between uh, the laptop and a server. Um, and that's designed for the, for those multinationals. But at the same time, everybody, including the um, multinational workers and everybody who's working from home, need to be very vigilant about, one, keeping their their, those assets on, on a private network and two, uh, keeping their software, make sure it's all up to date because the latest software contains the latest security updates. So that's mm. really important. How do you uh, how do you uh, watch out for malware? Even if you are on your VPN, like malware can get in, yeah. can't it? Absolutely. So you need to be vigilant about like using certain websites, make sure that they are secure. There's a little lock icon on the top left corner of most web on the websites and if that's open, that's insecure. If it's locked, it means it has some security. So things like that. Also, email attachments. And you have to be very careful about, you know, clicking on email attachments um, because that's another way that most viruses actually spread. And that's how the HSE was infected. In fact, it was an Excel spreadsheet attached to an email and the user quite unwittingly clicked on it and the virus got on, on that way. Yeah. So, and of course, text messages. And I think a lot of people are aware of like, you know, these fake spam customs text messages yeah. that you get and there's yeah. information. So you have to be very vigilant. And I would always say to people, you know, if you're in doubt of receiving an attachment, if you know the sender, phone them up and ask them. It's the same with the text messages. Go directly to, you know, the, the courier or, or the institution that sent you the text message and ask them, are they looking for this information? Most, in fact, all of the time, they're not looking for information. They will never ask you for information on an email or a text. Do you know we all we all have fun apps on our phones and tablets that we just use for a bit of distraction from work. Stuff can get in yeah. that way too, can't it? They can, of course. And again, you have to be quite vigilant over you know what apps you do download. You, you have to be very careful. Like the phone, basically your your smartphone today, Android or Mac, whatever it is, they're like they are basically computers they're like your laptop they're no different so you have to apply the same vigilance to them as you would your laptop be extremely careful all right liz and yeah. details of the event again it's it's uh, engineersireland.ie forward slash events is it open to the general public absolutely anybody can register and um, everybody's welcome um and i hope that you know uh, some people will benefit from this um absolutely okay and is there a charge involved Nothing. It's free for everybody. Um, and I suppose the main objective is, is to make people aware of what, what is out there and what they can do. OK, Liz, thank you very much. That's Liz Buckley, a Product Security Vulnerability and Remediation Programme lead, lead at Dell Technology. Tis a long title. But thanks, Liz. 0818 96 forward slash events if you want to find out more about that free event about protecting yourself, particularly if you're working at home. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Cash hours back after 11 o'clock. We take another contestant live on air. See, can we give you some moolah? That's after 11. But the street fleet are out and about again this morning 
with the very same cash cow. Ken Parrott. Back in Mahon Point this morning and I'm here once again with the Cork's 96FM cash cow and she has another week of moolah to give away. If you'd like to be a part of that, all you have to do is call down here to Mahon Point, take a selfie with our cash cow, bang it up on your Instagram story and tag us at Cork's underscore 96FM and you can also be a cash cow winner. With thanks to Mahon Point Shopping Centre, catch a movie, explore over 60 stores, our shop till the cows come home on Thursdays and Fridays. I'm Ken Paris with the Street Fleet on Cork's 96FM. Ken, thank you. And Cash Cow back after 11 o'clock this morning. You got the password this morning from KC and Ross. I don't intend to give it to you again. You'll get it if you go looking around our Instagram. You might find it there. Let us check in with a story we touched upon a few weeks back, and that is the Ballymartle Woods story. Uh, there was to be a sale of Ballymartle Woods and that was causing great concern to locals. That sale's been paused, but the story isn't over. Anna Maria Mullally. Anna Maria, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. Thanks so much for your consider- uh, continued interest in the in the story. No, um, I looked into it really a bit great. more since we talked the first time, and it's a beautiful place and a beautiful woods and a beautiful amenity, and nobody wants to lose it. So, what is the latest? The latest is PJ that uh, we're currently trying to um, redraft our proposal to pass it on to Quilta. Um, what we would really like to do is to create a perimeter loop um, that runs the full uh, circuit of the woods. So uh, there is an existing trail, which you may have seen when you came down to visit, which runs through the middle of the woods. Mm. But we'd like to run a trail uh, all around the perimeter. So through the section that is currently for sale as well, too. So we've mapped out a trail there and we've actually... um, cut our way through as it were um it's to to see where a, a possible walk might be so that that's what we're doing on our side but obviously on the quilta side they continue to be reactive rather than proactive um so any engagement that we have with them is generally when we um put pressure on them or pressure is put put on them by by others um, so we did re- meet with them in, on on January the thirty first, and it, it was a very useful meeting. But and out of that meeting, they um, only just recently uh, followed through and communicated with us that they would, in fact, um, um, help us to map out a trail on part of the woodland that isn't for sale, so on uh, on an upper perimeter um, on the other side of the wood. But uh, they they really are not budget. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, on, the, on the whole sale agreed section, and they mm. don't really seem to, to get that the people, not only of Riverstick, but of the regional surrounds, really want to hold on to the wood in its entirety. Mm. And um, it, it, this isn't just about, you know, environmental uh, protection. It's about preserving it as well as, as an immunity for, for locals mm. and um, as, as a space that they can enjoy and, and that they can develop. And the, the sale so, is paused, um, even though there's a sale agreed sign still up, correct? That's right. Yeah, and we we had asked them if if that sale agreed sign could be removed, but they uh, they suggested that um, it, it was a sign belonging to the auctioneer, belonging to Hodnut Ford, and that Hodnut Ford would be the ones who would be uh, mounting or removing a, a, a sign. And you've no so idea who the agreed what, buyer is, no. No, we've asked them about that. We've asked to meet with the buyer um, and we don't have any idea who the intended purchaser is. But I would like to say that we have some documentation um, um, which was um, helpfully provided to us by uh, Deputy Holly Cairns. So that uh, includes a property sales impact form, which we only received just at the end of, of last week there. And we haven't have fully had time to to look at this, but it, it is abundantly clear from that document that there was only ever one intended purchaser and also that the wheels were set in motion in early 2021, um, long before uh, Quilta consulted with the local stakeholders, mm. um, which they first did only in a very sort of narrow way in, in November and again really only properly in, in January. So it, it, it took a year for them to actually figure out um, what the local community might think about this and that was only in response to uh, requests from the community. So parts of this property sales impact form have been redacted um, which is really puzzling to us. So for instance there's a section, section 5.3 where you get to list the nature of the impact on people and material assets and this has been blacked out um, on the document. We, we don't understand why that is. And in the adjoining column, which is labelled mitigation, it says directly affected stakeholders are to be consulted with. And this certainly hadn't happened when this mm-hmm. document was, was compiled. So Now you have a few things coming up in um, March and one of them is you're going to organise a walk on the 13th of March. Is, is that kind of for people to, to, to look and see, here's what we're worried about, if you're not sure so far? Um... Well, firstly, um, we're probably going to reschedule that, um, and that was just decided at the weekend because we became aware that there were other um, walks going on in in Kinsale and in the locality, and and we didn't want to, uh, you know, to clash with with, okay. with their projects. And we also are going to try and, you know, publicise our walk there. So we'll set a new date for that. But yes, it is to raise awareness. Um, it is to show people what they're going to lose. Um, it is to, um, to 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 put the pl- place even more firmly on the map, I suppose. And also, 
to show us as a group. We're a diverse group of local stakeholders. We've got people from the community hall. We've got people from the tidy towns. Mm. We've got people who are artists. We've got people who are activists. We've got people who are experts in in biodiversity. One of Mm -hmm. our newest members has spent five years mapping the fungi in the woods and has identified a very rare species that's only found in one other location in, in Ireland, uh, according to the National Biodiversity Map. Okay. So we're upskilling rapidly, PJ, and sure. we're um, just, just one thing, Anna Maria, with I other suppose groups. You, you haven't been able to speak to the intended purchaser at this point. So I guess, you know, in the interest of fairness, you don't know whether they intend to do away with the wood. You're just hoping that they won't. Am I, am I right there? Well, PJ, um, the property um, sales impact form from um, Quilta indicates that the uh, intended purchaser wants to erect a camping site. That's the language that's used there. And they say on the sort on the on that form that if the site gets developed into a campsite it may support other local businesses in the area. So that's that's very vague. Quint have always said to us that it's it's for glamping. So inevitably there's going to be um, felling of trees and clearing and there will have to be services installed and um, there is going to be some uh, form of environmental impact there. Um, Quinta themselves maintain that the areas of, of they contradict themselves in their documentation in the, in the property sales impact document. They say that the areas of low ecological uh, significance in the ecological report, they say that it's of uh, county uh, ecological significance and of local ecological significance. So they seem themselves to be, I think, um, uh, contradicting themselves internally and at odds about what it exactly represents. And nowhere do they address the fact uh, that it is an immunity for the local community. And this is really important uh, to to remember this is is, is front and centre of everything. Sure. I'd like as well, PJ, if I can, to make, to make two further points. Yeah. I want to make a point about political support. I want to acknowledge and thank um, uh, Deputy Michael Collins, uh, Holly Cairns, Chris O'Sullivan, and and Mick Barry, all of whom have raised this directly with uh, Mihal Martin in the Doyle, okay. and. Michal Martin has, you know, stated that he's committed to stopping deforestation. However, we we want him now to put his money where his mouth is and to actually act on it, mm-hmm. um, and to recognise, you know, that this woods is is also used by people. For instance, in his own local Cork uh, South Central constituency, we've people coming here from Carrigaline, we've people coming here from Ballygarvan, we've people coming out from the city. Um, you know, so it's not just uh, an immunity for the the residents of Riverstick. It's it's a regional uh, immunity. So, um, consistent political support has come from Deputy Cairns and actually from local members of People Before Profit who've actually come out and, and worked hard and helped us with the two cleanups that we've organised in the woods and with, with support and information from from their HQ and Holly Cairns has come and visited the woods as has Crystal Sullivan but um, we want to make the point that you know we're, we're voters as well too and you know we're not interested in politicians coming out here to take selfies of themselves standing beside an oak tree we want people who actually are um, able to understand and to empathise with our wish to retain this woodland and recognise that um, this is where you know the votes the votes are going are going to be. We don't want people speaking out of both sides of their mouth. We want genuine uh, okay. 
commitment to the importance of public recreational spaces and and we want people to understand that it makes a positive difference to the lives of people and that's where okay oh that's just about gone i'd say yeah line's just gone there but look we were coming to the end of the conversation anyway thank you Anna Maria Mullally we're staying with this one because I don't know where it's going to go uh, with regard to Bally Martle Woods there is a sale it's paused there's a sale agreed sign up nobody really knows who wants to buy it what they want to do with it other than an idea that might be for glamping but the locals are up in arms they want their woods retained and looked after and taken care of and it's one we'll stick with throughout the course of 2022 0818 96, 96, 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. Two excellent Irish songwriters, Robert John Ardiff and A. Smith, present a series of live shows as part of their This Little Tour of Ours. The tour will take them to West Cork, where they play Connolly's of Lep on April 9th, and here in the city at Collins Live on April 10th. Access all areas. Eddie Reader celebrates 40 years in the business with her 40 years live concert tour. It promises to be something special coming to the Everyman Theatre and tickets are on sale now for the show taking place on Thursday, March 24th. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Now, a new documentary got its premiere, its world premiere, at the Dublin International Film Festival uh, the other night. It's called Vicky. It's the story of Vicky Phelan and and her fight uh, since the cervical check story broke a number of years ago. One of the main contributors in that documentary is Cork's own Stephen Teep, of course, whose wife Irene died of cervical cancer at the age of just 35. We've spoken to Stephen many times on the opinion line, and he's back with me now. Stephen, I I see that Vicky wasn't at the uh, premiere the other night, which leads one to the very worried question, how is she? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, yeah, like as Vicky has said publicly herself for the last two weeks, she's been going through radiotherapy. So that unfortunately meant that she wasn't able to attend last week. Um, Vicky, you know, as best as she can. And like anybody going through radiotherapy, the last two weeks have been difficult for her. But um, hopefully say now is the last day of that for her and she'll get uh, what she needs to get from this treatment um, in, the, in the coming days and weeks ahead. So fingers crossed for that. But, yeah. um, she's positive as always. Good. You've become quite close friends through all of this, Stephen, and, and you play a major part in this documentary. It, it's said to be a superb piece of work. I obviously haven't seen it, but it's said to be a superb piece of work. Yeah, I'd like to, I suppose, if you I suppose look at the, the production side of things and the people behind the scenes that were working on it, they've done an incredible job. But um, like I was asked to say a few words up there on Thursday and I was getting the train up and I was like, well, what do you say to people? You know, I hope you really enjoy this documentary. But it's such a sad story and such a horrific story, as we all know. But um, for me, like, there was a number of key messages that I suppose, as always with Vicky, that 
he gets across within it. Um, like this documentary, Pete, I suppose, had two stories going on at the same time. It had Vicky's own personal um, battles and what she's been going through for the last four years after getting that terminal diagnosis in January 2018. But at the same time, the second story, which I suppose is entwined in, in, in that, is the whole cervical check debacle that she managed to um, uncover at the exact same time. And that there is really, I suppose, the bones of this documentary, but more of a, an insight into the behind the scenes of um, Vicky's life and her interactions with her lovely children, husband and her family and friends as well, you know. So it was very, um, it was a very emotional watch, all right, for sure, last Thursday. Do you know when we might get to see it um, publicly? That's the, the the million dollar question. I was just saying to Fiona there that um, they haven't announced anything yet. I really don't know how these things work. Mm. Is it a case that will be in the cinema or is will it be snapped up by a television station? Um, like I expect we'll be watching it very soon. Um, it's been nominated for an awards and all the reviews and everything about it have been excellent and you know it'd be great for everybody else to see it given I suppose what I've seen the, the hard work that Vicky's been doing in the background in um, I suppose capturing these moments throughout the last four years so she can tell the story herself in her way in her words you know Sure Stephen lastly how are you getting on how are the boys? Yeah we're doing good uh, the boys are uh, yeah they're in uh, they're doing very well they're in third class and senior infants so one was wearing a mask for the last couple of months and the other one wasn't in school and ironically the one who wasn't wearing the mask was the one who caught COVID so I think that tells its own story but uh, my older fella um, has got a new sense of freedom this morning going into school not having to wear a mask but at the same time put one in his pocket just in case Uh, so I think it kind of says a lot doesn't it? It does indeed. Stephen always good to catch up with you. Look after yourself. That's Stephen Teep uh, 0818969696 and as soon as we find out when we can get to see that documentary uh, we let you know but it looks like a fine piece of work. I've spoken to Vicky a couple of times on the show and I Keep in touch with her through Instagram from time to time and through Twitter message from time to time. But to just hope that she's holding out there and staying as strong as she can. 0818-969696. We had a call from Dan, who is a taxi driver and who says, I'd like to highlight the threats and abuse I received last night because I refused to take students in my taxi. They had open cans and bottles on College Road. They're a disgrace I won't be working for Rag Week. Who the hell do they think they are? Kevin's been watching the price of petrol. I think we're all watching the price of petrol, particularly with the uh, Ukrainian situation. It's it's making things worse than they were. Kevin says a new market this morning. Petrol was one eighty five a liter. God, one eighty five a liter, up four cents in a week, and it has been ticking up and ticking up and ticking up, and we are agonizingly close to 190 and after 190 will come will come to euro a liter and to remind you again if the government wanted to there's a huge chunk of change charlie weston from the independent was telling me about this last week there's a huge chunk of change that the government takes from every single liter of petrol and diesel and if they want to they could reduce that to, to save the rest of us, if they want to. 0818 96, 96, 96. According to the Department of Health, 
over 188,000 people in this country are affected by some kind of eating disorders. There are many different kinds of eating disorder and the, this is uh, Eating Disorder Awareness Week starting today and running until the weekend. I'm joined by Harriet Parsons who's Training and Development Manager for BodyWise. They run Eating Disorders Awareness Week. Harriet, that's a huge number of people affected by, as I say, some kind of eating disorder or other. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, Yeah, I mean, I also think it's probably not an accurate estimation because what we've seen since COVID um, has been a huge increase in the numbers of people um, presenting with an eating disorder. And also, I'm not so sure that that number would properly take into account people who have binge eating disorder um, who might not... Um, you know, come into contact with services in the same way as some of the other more restrictive eating disorders might on a more regular basis. I'll talk about binge and eating disorder in a second because I, I, I wasn't aware that it existed until I read about it recently. But do you think, oh, yes. do you think, Harriet, that there's a possibility, and I suppose only research will tell us in the fullness of time, that people may have developed eating disorders through lockdown? I think I think absolutely people have developed eating disorders through lockdown. We've seen um, the children's hospitals are reporting a 66% increase in admissions. Um, adult admissions have risen by 32%. Um, I, on our services, we've seen exponential, like just numbers that we've never, ever seen before. So I think that definitely you've seen uh, there's been people who have developed an eating disorder in lockdown. There's people who have been had were on the verge maybe just before and were tipped into it. And then people maybe who already were in treatment and struggling have really been struggling. And then you have people who were worried about relapsing. So you've just got this kind of perfect storm of all these situations. And it's just had this effect on the numbers rising. Of course, access to treatment isn't what it should be either, is it? Well, no, it's not what it should be. Um, I mean, it's, it's. I suppose in 2018, the HSE launched their model of care for what they call the National Clinical Programme for Eating Disorders. So, you know, they chose eating disorders as one of the health issues that needed to have what they call a clinical programme Four. So that means that there is a recognised pathway. There are specialist trained clinicians um, who a person should meet when they go into a service. Um, and, you know, in the same way that there might be a clinical programme for uh, cardiac care or for other um, health conditions. And the launch, that model of care was launched in 2018. And I suppose the rollout of it has been slower than um then it's helpful um, because of funding, you know, for the model of care to be rolled out, there needs to be consistent ring fence funding so that people know, you know, people can can put together teams, can, um, can recruit the right people and the teams can be up and running. Mm. Um, so as yet, it is not there. You know, mm. progress has been made, obviously, um, but it's not where it should be yet. What are the most prevalent disorders out there now, Harriet? Is it still anorexia and bulimia? Do they still dominate? They dominate services, definitely. 
Um, I, if you look at the um, demographics from people who attended our um, family support program in February, the majority of people coming to that were supporting a, a young female with anorexia. So that kind of stereotypical picture is still the most dominant. Now, there's probably lots of reasons for that. You know, um, with a restrictive eating disorder like anorexia, there is a huge health physical part to that eating disorder. So people become very physically unwell um, and are at risk of, you know, of death and serious um, physical implications. So people with that eating disorder will present to hospitals and to services. Um, other people with different types of eating disorders that may not have the same kind of level of physical risk um, obviously might not present as quickly to services. They might not be picked up by the people mm. around them. They might not be picked up by their GP. And so they might not be as readily kind of, um, you know, referred into services. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so the most prevalent that are seen within services are people with anorexia and bulimia. Mm. Talk to me about, you mentioned a few minutes ago, and I said we'd come back to it, binge eating disorder. Now, I read about that. Yeah. And it's it's a new one on me, Harriet. Describe that, how it, how it manifests well, so, itself. Yeah, so I suppose, PJ, like if you think about it, all of the eating disorders are kind of the same thing. They just differ in how the person in the behaviours that the person engages in. So you have somebody with anorexia who, say, restricts their food and becomes very underweight. You have somebody with bulimia who, say, binges and purges, so eats and then gets rid, rid of the food and is probably quite normal weight. And somebody with binge eating disorder engages in binges, in binge eating, or you could say overeating, and they don't purge. So as a consequence, they gain weight. So they will be in the overweight category of weight or the obese category of weight, whereas, say, somebody with anorexia will be in the underweight category of weight. So in that way, binge eating disorder is a different type of eating disorder. But in all other ways, it's exactly the same. So how the person thinks, what drives the disordered eating behavior. So that kind of fear of gaining weight or wanting to be thinner or equating being thinner and losing weight with making everything better in my life, like it's the answer. Um, the distorted thinking, the distorted body image, uh, the sense of self in the world, all of those things for somebody with binge eating disorder are the same as they are with somebody with anorexia. Okay. Like I would often say, that if I had a screen up and I couldn't see the person and I was just listening to what they were saying and obviously if they weren't talking about what they were eating or not eating, I wouldn't necessarily know what type of eating disorder they had because they say the same types of things. You know, the eating disorder functions for them in the same way. I and I suppose what's difficult for people with binge eating disorder is that they often get caught up in diet culture and weight management because they are in the overweight or obese category of weight. And so, you know, you wouldn't treat somebody with anorexia with a diet. Yes. You know, we, we understand that that's, sure, the food is one part of the problem, but we don't see that as the solution. And people with binge eating disorder are often, people don't realize that actually they have an eating disorder. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just generally amongst, you know, the population that we don't realize it. Binge eating disorder as a natural eating disorder was only recognized and given its own category a few years ago. So, 
you know, there's a slow recognition of the fact that it is as serious an eating disorder yeah. with as serious health implications yes. and kind of long-term effects if it's not dealt with. And, and again, one that, one, one, that needs, one that needs treatment. If, you're, if one is concerned yeah. about a loved one or concerned about yourself, where yeah. can they begin to get help, Harriet? Well, the first thing I would say, well, so in terms of treatment, the first port of call is your GP because the GP is often either the gateway into the mental health services or GPs have a wealth of knowledge about supports available in whatever community you're in. And the other thing I would say, you know, if you're if you're worried about somebody is like go to our website, bodywise.ie and have a read there of um, things like understanding an eating disorder as a coping mechanism. Like it's not about food, it's how a person copes. So if you come along and say, stop, they're going to resist. It's very normal. We all have coping mechanisms and we don't like to have to change them. Um, I would say also the HSE have a great eating disorder app that has buckets of sh- helpful videos and from dietitians and sure. psychiatrists and GPs. So that's the second thing to do. The third thing to do is to read the treatment guide on our website. It gives very clear information about the different pathways to treatment. And the fourth thing I would say is to sign up for our family support program. That's the pillar program. It's free. I do it online. So that's what I would say. And if you're worried about yourself, again, I would say have a read pop. You know, we have a support email. People email our support service all the time saying, I'm a bit worried about myself. I'm not sure. And we help them to tease out what's going on. Okay. So those are the things I would say, PJ. Okay, okay. And we'll leave it there with that. Thank you very much. Harriet Parsons, Training and Development Manager with BodyWise at the start of Eating Disorder Week. They have a helpline number as well, BodyWise, which is 01 That's a Dublin number. 01 And the Eating Disorder Centre in Cork has a helpline 021 Four five three double nine double zero oh two one four five three double nine double zero. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. The lines are live and we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, Douglas Community Association have a tent out at the new park today from 10 till 6 for donations of non-perishable items and care items to be sent to uh, Ukraine. There's a few others. Tatiana, who we spoke to earlier on, is doing collections for people. If anyone wants to contact her, they can let us know. There was, there's a collection on Union Key, we think, this coming Sunday. Uh, there's lots of people organising connection, collections to try and just do their best to get something, to get something out there, something that can help. Do you know if they need volunteer truck drivers to collect the food? I'll go for free, says Tommy the trucker. O'Leary's Centra in Blarney is collecting items for donation. Drop in anytime during normal trading hours. 
Mags also believes they're looking for premises in Ballincollig as donation centres. Ballincollig Hub on Facebook. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, yes, uh, thank you for this, John. I must say that I had forgotten, and it's a failing of mine that I've forgotten, and I'm sorry that I forgot. Let us remember the late Detective Ben O'Sullivan. He was the other man in the car uh, when Jerry McCabe was shot in a dare all those years ago. When Jerry McCabe was shot and killed, Ben O'Sullivan was the other man in the car and he survived that horrible incident and he passed away uh, before the weekend. I think it was either Thursday or Friday and his burial is today. And of course, strong connections to Cork uh, Ben O'Sullivan had and my, my late dad knew him. Not well, but but knew him. So we think of him and his family and his friends and his former colleagues today. Thank you for that, John. Appreciate the call. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I'm going to talk to Tom Rogers. Today is Rare Disease Day. And there's lots of people out there with very rare diseases that they have to get on with that many of us have never heard of. Tom Rogers, I had heard of PKU for the simple reason that a friend of mine who is a genealogist, had been doing her family tree. And the further back she went into it, she'd discovered a number of people that actually died as as a a result of complications from uh, PKU. Good morning to you. Hello, PJ. Uh, Good to have you on the opinion line. PKU was a dietary problem. You can't process a very common ingredient, correct? Correct, Peter. Um, I can't process uh, protein. I don't have the enzyme to process and break down protein. So in, a, in effect, it means that uh, I'd have to limit my diet to a very low level of protein on a day-to-day basis. How did you discover it? Well, I was, I was fortunate, Peter, in that um, I was picked up at birth uh, using the, the heel prick test. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was diagnosed at birth um, and I was pretty much put on a very strict diet uh, from about two weeks of age. So, in terms of not being able to break down protein, so go through your normal day. Mm. Like this morning, my normal breakfast is a couple of boiled eggs and a bowl of cereal and a cup of coffee. So, that's yeah. not something you can do. No, uh, uh, I suppose ordinarily that my level of intake of protein on a daily basis will be about a tenth of a regular diet, such as your, your own. Uh, for example, this morning, I had a small bit of porridge that I'd weigh out to make sure that it's a certain amount. Um, throughout the day, then, I kind of have what you might call a daily budget of protein, and I have to ration that out throughout the day. So, in effect, this morning, I'd have, I'd, I've consumed about a third of my daily intake of protein. Mm. Now, protein um, is in practically everything we eat, so that must make diet very difficult for you. It does indeed, and uh, there's research ongoing that tends to change every now and then with with um, developments. Um, I suppose I grew up that I grew, I grew up knowing that I can eat vegetables uh, of a of any amount, but now I'm kind of Recent research has kind of stipulated that I can only eat a certain amount of one individual um, vegetable. Uh, so, for example, 
I could eat six mushrooms in a day, but I, if I eat any more than that, I'd have to account for that in my own little daily budget. I see. Um, and that's that's before that's after I've kind of removed all the other protein foods, higher protein foods, meat, uh, chicken, fish, most dairy products, milk, uh, and anything any any product of that, and any anything that's uh, uh, an ingredient in you know chocolate, this that and the other. So, so a simple a simple, straight. a simple thing like like dinner out. With with your friends, is a nightmare. That that can cause huge complications, and and, and discussions and arguments in some some occasions. Uh, it's very difficult. Um, uh, even if some some restaurants will, if you ring ahead, they might be might try and, and accommodate you. But even at that, I'd have concerns because you wouldn't you couldn't be hundred percent certain that. There might be an ingredient that um, the chefs may not be aware of that that is included in the dish. Um, so, for example, milk, as I said. The question that people are obviously asking now, Tom, is what if you have too much protein? What begins to happen? It's a very good question. Um, more immediately, my kind of my senses are dim somewhat. Um, a protein, if it runs on unchecked. Uh, it can act as a toxin to the brain over a period of time. So I, I could feel my mood can change and I could be more irritable than normal, for example. That would be an, an obvious uh, signifier. Um, and over a period of time, you know, if I wasn't on a, a very strict diet, it could have severe ramifications in relation to my, my brain, brain development and brain functioning. Could it damage you? It can do, it can do. Um, or again, over a period of time, it can uh, manifest physically because I'm aware that uh, it could result, if, if my diet un- is unchecked, it can result in um, epileptic seizures, for example. Wow. So it's kind of a, mm. a physical manifestation of that. It's a genetic disorder. So, so can you mm-hmm. pass it on to children, to your children? Um, not necessarily. It, it depends on the individual chromosomes. So it depends on my partner's chromosomes. Um, so it could be an issue, but may not, may not be. Right, right. What's, you, you had a bad fright as well. Did you, did you have a stroke as a, as a result? I did uh, in uh, late 2011, quite out of the blue. Um, and I was taken into hospital um and the first thing the medical attendants uh, uh, kind of looked at was my my diet, and they thought that might have, that that might have been a factor. So they engaged with the the, um, the matter um, metabolic um, uh, department there, um, uh, and queried that aspect. Um, but it appeared that it, the the stroke was uh, caused by something else, which wasn't directly related to that. Mm. But it, you know, it could be. Uh, it's definitely something that I'd be concerned about. Mm. Um, Is this mentally difficult to deal with, Tom? And by that I mean, do you ever sit down and think, "Christ, why me?" I I try not to, PJ, to be honest with you. But uh, you know, I suppose anyone with a condition would would would, would think that. Um, but you have to kind of work with what what's put in front of you in many respects. 
Uh, so there's no point uh, ruminating on these things, but and just deal with it uh, as it is. Um, there are there are very 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 many supports available now these days, mm. and um, there are developments coming down the line. So it's important to engage uh, yeah. with that. Is there a like for example, if you inadvertently overconsumed protein, is is there a medicine you can take, or do you just have to let it work out of your system? There's no medicine that, that can uh, can deal with that, but I just have to deal with uh, taking specialised foods, which is low in protein, right. uh, and then uh, keeping an eye on my levels by taking regular blood tests and having them tested, um, and ensuring that that my 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 phenylalanine levels are between a certain uh, designated range. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, the so so and there is a website because um, there's about what about eight hundred thousand or eight hundred people in Ireland with this condition. PKU.ie. Uh, yes, yeah, uh, it's uh, something that I'm, I'm engaged with myself, the PKU Association in Ireland, and I'd advocate that any any um, patients or um, patients or parents of uh, young children with the with the condition would engage with. Uh, uh, the PKU uh, Association, um, who they, they, you know, there's very good supports there, and great information sharing, mm-hmm. and there's developments coming down the line. So it's very important to good. keep abreast of these things. And lastly, you mentioned the heel test and that it was picked up in the heel test. Is it routinely checked for in the heel test, Tom? It is now. Yes, uh, I think it was around the mid to late sixties that the heel prick test was introduced in Ireland mm. I was lucky because I was born a couple of years after that so I I, I feel that I'm very lucky that I was diagnosed at birth um, the difficulty is if if, I'm, if I wasn't diagnosed clearly if I was on a regular diet mm. uh, that would cause irreparable, irreparable damage to, to my brain development Yeah and that that's why I think I'm, in introducing you I mentioned a friend of mine who had done her family tree uh, and discovered mm. that quite a number of people um, back along, if you like, back in yeah. ancient history times, had died very young, very inexplic- inexplicably, but now they knew. Now they knew it was the yes. effects yeah. of PKU. Tom, I wish, I, w- I wish you good health and, and uh, good luck in managing that, that uh, problem of yours. I appreciate you speaking with me on the opinion line. Tom Rogers, who suffers from PKU, just marking... Rare disease day, and there are many more people out there with a rare disease of some kind or other. Um, and we think of them today. You could probably do a whole morning, in fact, you could probably do a couple of whole mornings on different ailments and diseases and conditions that very few of us have ever heard of. But just uh, Tom, we talked to today to mark rare disease day. Thank you, Tom. 0818969696. PJ, I have my... It's an email to opinion at 96fm.ie. I have my electricity with prepay power. I was wondering, how will the €200 Euro bonus scheme work for pay-as-you-go customers? Bill pairs will have it automatically taken off a bill, but as I don't receive a bill, I'm unsure how it'll work for me. I've spoken to a few people with pay-as-you-go electricity. They're just as confused as me. I'm hoping some of your listeners may know how it works. Love the show, says Lynn. Lynn, the only answer I have to that question, and I was trying to get it out of Minister Michael McGrath when he was on the last time with me, how it's going to work. 
you have an account with prepay power. And when you go to the shop and get your credit and put your number in and all of that, that's how it... My understanding is, Lynn, that the 200 quid will be put onto your account in the form of credit. That is all I know. If when this thing starts to happen, which I think is this month and next month, or sorry, March and April, so next month and the month after, they're going to start applying this to bills. So we'll try and get more clarity on it. But the understanding that we have is that you have a credit form. You pay your interest on credit. You get the 200 euro credit on your account. That, I think, I think is how it works. 0818. 96, 96, 96. PJ, my eight-year-old daughter has a very rare disease called narcolepsy and clepsity. Only one girl in Munster her age. I'd love to look, I'd love to find out more about that. Uh, the lads are trying to c- contact you um, if, if there's a, well, they're having a trouble with the connection. But they're trying, they're trying to find out some more. That's a fascinating thing. Narcolepsy and clepsity. Only child in months. Love to find out more about that. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96 FM has a shiny new phone number. 0818 96 96 96. Save it to your phone now. Save it to your phone now. 0818 96 96 96. The new number to call Cork's 96 FM. There was a lovely story on the Virgin Media News uh, over the weekend uh, involving a woman and a dog which Paul Bourne said was a holiday romance of a different kind. Liz Nason, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Great to talk to you. Um, How's Ralph? He's a beautiful boy. He's adorable. He's absolutely adorable. He's so good. When did... How... Because Paul's report was a minute, minute and a half long. Tell me how you met him. You were in Gumby. Yeah. What happened? Uh, He came... We were on the beach with my friend and he came up to my chair and literally got up on top of the chair next to me and put sunglasses on him and he followed me from that on. Hang on, you had sunglasses on him? He put, you put uh, yeah, sunglasses on I him? I put sunglasses on him on the chair <laughs> and he just sat there, he's so, you know, just a slob and then my friend lives there so he started following us mm. and she started taking him in in the winter because mm. they're, they're, they're total beach dogs. Yeah, he, uh, he was abandoned as a pup, was he? I mean, he, yeah, what, what is he, about three? Yeah. Is he three, four, is he? No, he's six now. He's six now, okay. Yeah. And they just come and dump them on the beaches there. It's very sad. It is, yeah. Yeah, and it's very sad. And you have a friend in Turkey, so the friend you just take him in and feed him? She, she, all, all of them. She feeds everybody over them. Right. Um, yes, and then he went from there to Istanbul, Istanbul to Bulgaria, where he's been for the last two years with COVID. And then my friend took him for me um, in London for a week till I could get a transport to bring him over. When did you decide you were going to bring him home? We're doing it, trying to do it two years, but I didn't think it would happen. 
Right, right. And like, what kind of what kind of barriers are there? I mean, you can't just you can't just put a dog on a plane. Like, there's a whole lot of. Oh no, he came by truck. Yeah. From he he was travelling for nearly a week. Right. And from Bulgaria to England. Right. And in England, I had to have him picked up again in another courier. Right. To bring him over to, I had to go to Carlo. Right. To there. And did he have to quarantine? Did he have to? He done all that in Bulgaria. Ah, and okay. all his shots and his passport and loads of all the papers, everything is there with him. Right. And is it a costly business to bring him home? Oh, about 5,000. But worth Well, it. they raised that in Istanbul, in Turkey. Oh, really? And I had to pay the rest. Right. Yeah. Right. I and had to pay about 2,000 then. You got him? When did, when, when did he arrive with, to you? The 3rd of February. Okay. And the minute they opened the door of the van... Oh, he knew me. Not brilliant. Straight away, he just, he just knew me. Not brilliant. He, he's amazing. He knows his home now, I think. You know, he's had to be true an awful lot. Yeah. Poor fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, have, have you kids? I have three, but they're grown. Right. You have four now. I have four now, yeah. And I have two rescue cats. Ah, listen. <laughs> how, did, yeah, how, did so. the, how do the cats handle the new the new, the new uh, lodger? Terrified, but they're just coming around now. They're coming. Listen, he's afraid of them, Ralphie. You know what it is, Liz? And I'll tell you this now. Is I have two dogs and two cats. And for as long <laughs> as I remember, I've had both dogs and cats. This idea that they can't get on, it's just nonsense. It is because they are now. They are getting. They're coming over, sniffing him now, and he's out. He's out in the back garden there now with them. Yeah, it's fantastic to watch actually when they become friends. It's brilliant. Well, I'm deli- it's a lovely story, and he's in good fettle. He's in good health. You've had him seen by a vet and all that. Oh, everything. Good. He's everything done. Um, my friend on that in London for me because he couldn't come unless the vet gave him another injection. Right. Right. So she got that done for me. Over. Brilliant. Brilliant. And this I'm is going to collect her now, take her back. She's there over for the weekend. Right. So we're going to drop him to the airport now. And do you know what kids would ask Liz, having seen him on the television and been told that you found him? Does he talk? Does he speak English? He, believe me, I'd say he knows Russian and everything. <laughs> all languages, because they all see them on the beach. Yeah. He's very, very clever. My daughter's tele- very clever. Good. He knows what I'm saying. Ah, yeah. Now he's a beautiful. He's a beautiful lad. It was so. It was such a lovely piece on, on the news in the, in the middle of a difficult old weekend. You know. I uh, you know that's. You know that's the policy. He said a lovely story. Of what's going on? It is. It's brilliant. Listen, listen. Good. Thank you, PJ. Cheers, Liz. And we'll see. Him, we, we might see him walking him around the lock at some stage. Uh, that's Liz Nason, uh, Ralphie. And she found him. He found her rather on the beach in Turkey a few years ago, and she decided he's coming home with me. And here he is, back living around the lock. Now, he'll be a bit colder around the lock than he was on the beach. And t- lovely, it's just a lovely story. A lovely, lovely story. Will we stick with the animal teams? Will we? We will. The Corks 96 FM Cash Cow. With Man Point for fashion, film, food, and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Man Point. See manpointsc.ie. Yep. Third and final week of the Cash Cow. Still listening to win? Or head down to Mahan Point Shopping Centre for more chances to win. But right now, your chance to win. You got the password from Casey and Ross this morning. Not going to give it to you again. But text a WhatsApp to 083 
396 with your name and that password. And I have Moolah next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Thank you to whoever came back with this message. I was saying to Lynn that our best understanding was that if you have prepay electricity, one of these prepay power meters and stuff like that, that the credit will be applied to your account. We were right. Someone came back and said the €200 Euro electricity credit will be applied directly to the MPRN. That's the registration number of your account, effectively. MPRN. So it'll be automatically applied as credit onto prepay customer accounts. Thanks for terrifying that. That's good news for Lynn. 0818 96 96 96. Are we good? The Cork's 96FM Cash Cow. With Man Point for fashion, film, food and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Man Point. See manpointsc.ie. Now, Vanessa. Hello. If we hear that sound again, it's not yes. a good day. No. Because if the cow moves. Go on. I lose. That's it. <laughs> Eventually, someone. <laughs> so, Vanessa, there's money. Moolah. To be one, I'm going to start the clock. You'll hear some amounts. When you think you're going to go and get away with it and take the money, you just say, take it or stop or whatever. If you want to play on and see what happens with the money, it can go up or it can go down. You just say, keep playing on. But if the cow moves, you lose. Are you good to go? Yes. Here we go. Let's try it then. 100 euro. Okay. What do you want to do? Play. You're going to play on? Yeah. Yeah, 100. You you surely do better than 100 euro anyway. 100 euro. Oh, God. Right? Play. Play on again. Okay. Okay. Let's see now what's coming up next. Come on, Muko. 100 euro. Oh, for goodness sake. Play. Playing on again. Yes. Brave woman. Here we go. Come on. 300 euro. Ah. Stop. Stop. Okay. Yes. You're stopping. You're taking the 300. Yes. Let's see what happens next just for the crack, will we? Do. <laughs> you win. <laughs> Thank you very much. Always bravery to hold on there now. <laughs> That's it. Well done, Vanessa. Vanessa Kelly. 300 euro with cash cow on Cork's 96 event. Put you back on to Fiona there and she'll take the rest of your details and all that. Thanks very much for that. See, that's how it works. We do it every day this week. Simon does it in the afternoon. Lorraine do it in the evening. Boys back in the morning with the password for Tuesday. And if you go to Instagram, you might just find the password if you missed it this morning. 300 quid for Vanessa Kelly. It's the Cork's 96 event cash cow with Mahal Point. Catch a movie, explore over 60 stores and shop till the cows come home on Thursdays and Fridays. Mahanapointsc.ie for more information. The cash cow only on Cork's 96 FM. A year ago we adopted a Caucasian. This is in response to the story of Liz and Ralphie. We adopted a Caucasian mountain dog. Looks like and has the stature and size of a bear. He came with the name Rupert. Poor guy was abandoned and found in a schoolyard. His microchip was present, 
but not compatible with any European or American database. We think he might have come from Eastern Europe or might have been Russian because of the breed. He didn't understand English commands, but very highly intelligent, and it wasn't long before he was 100% up to par. Sounds like a beautiful... I'd love to see a picture of that dog, if you have a picture. Sounds beautiful. A Caucasian mountain dog. Are they anything like the, the president's dogs? Uh, Mission Duncan, is it Shoda or Broad, whichever one? Uh, they're Burmese mountain dogs or Burmese mountain dogs. Is he any like, anything like them? Love to see a picture of him, if you want to share. 0818 96 96 96. When you see something in front of you called the Peacock Parlour Queer Creatives, you kind of have to find out more. And when the name of the person on the line is Foxy Peacocks, you certainly have to find out more. Foxy, how's it going? Hi, how's it going, Peter? Good. Tell me about this. This is a this is taking place on the fourth of March at the Bodega. What's going on? That's right. Yes. Um, at ten PM, we're going to be opening the doors, and at ten thirty, we're going to have a show starting. It's a mixture of drag queens, drag kings, uh, comedy, burlesque, and uh, some songs. So it's got a little bit of a a little bit of something for everybody. Great diversity. It's a bit of fun, and it's in it's it's part of a a week long event, isn't it? It's it's part. It's kind of in connection with um with UCC's uh, Lesbian Lives conference that's going on at the weekend. So that's the reason why we're running the show that particular weekend. Okay. And why it's in specifically in queer creatives. Okay. You mentioned drag queens. What's a drag king? A drag king is the opposite of a drag queen. So it would be somebody who would be um, female presenting that would uh, turn themselves into a king for the night. Gotcha. I got you. And it's uh, tickets on sale? Yes, there are tickets on sale through Eventbrite at the moment and we'll have tickets on the door in the night as well. Okay. Is there a, is, is there a, a burlesque? I, I remember um, seeing a, 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 passing a place in Dublin one day and there was a person handing out leaflets for a burlesque theatre night and it looked like all sorts of fun, uh-huh. although I was heading back in the train that evening. Is there a big burlesque yeah. thing going on? Uh, uh, kind of a... <coughs> revamp of burlesque, burlesque has it come back into its own um, being honest it, it never really went away it's a small bit underground it's maybe not so mainstream but there's always been a fantastic burlesque scene in Ireland uh, for a long time now I got involved in the scene maybe about 13 years ago um, when a show that was visiting Cork um, invited me to go in and work with them in Dublin um, so I was lucky to have that opportunity to, to learn from the ground up from people that were already involved in the scene. And we do have a gorgeous scene in Ireland. Um, we've got some fantastic performers. And recently, we, we, you know, we've, we've really stepped up when it comes to queer presenting performers as well, you know. Tell me more about that. Um, I guess it just has become more more popular. Drag queens, obviously, through RuPaul's Drag Race and stuff like that, have become a lot better known. You know, the general public know a lot more about it now and are a lot more open to it, I think, you know, since marriage equality came into Ireland. In general, we're a lot more open to queer events and queer creative um, endeavours. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Peacock Parlour, is that a touring group or... Who, who set it up? It is. So we we pop up. It's a, it's my show. Um, I've set it up. Um, I was very lucky to be given the opportunity back in 2012 to um, to create a show for the launch night of a of a new bar that was opening in Cork. And the owner of the bar uh, approached me and asked me would I be interested in putting something together, curating the performers for it. 
I obviously jumped at the opportunity and, and it's been, you know, no looking back from there. So we, every show is different. Every show that we have, we have different performers, um, a different team, a different vibe, a different feel. Um, and we tour with different places as well. So it's not just pop-up in Cork. It's a wee pop-up in any venue that, that reaches out to us. Yeah, and there's a whole sort of cocktail culture with it as well. And the, the bodega really lends itself to a show. Absolutely. Oh, my God. What a gorgeous the name, venue. The name alone, like, you know, that... Yeah, and it really has the feel of, of you know, the, 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 I suppose the, the elegance that you want to have. Yeah. Okay, so tickets are available from where? From Eventbrite? Yep, from Eventbrite. You can pop onto Eventbrite. You can get the links from Eventbrite from any of our social media, through Instagram, through Facebook, and you have a quick, easy access to links through any of those. Okay, all right. Good luck with it uh, and have a good show on the 4th of March, which is Friday in the bodega. That's Foxy Peacocks of the Peacock Parlour Queer Creative Cabaret. Looks like a lot of crack... 0818 I came across actually those burlesque shows they, they were always in Ireland but if you go to places like Lanzarote they're down they're down side streets and they are very funny because they put on an adult show late at night and they put on a kids show or a family show in the afternoon and it's brilliant it's like it's like Danny LaRue on steroids actually it's just dynamite where are we yes you know what the newspapers today and I was listening to this yesterday. Uh, my, by the way, my work on this planet is complete, my friends, because my son is into Star Trek. I discovered at the weekend we put on him. We always watch a movie on a Sunday, except in summertime. We watch a movie every Sunday, and we do our popcorn, and we do our can of coke and our jellies and all that kind of crack. And uh, we have a movie. And yesterday I decided to try him out with a Star Trek movie, and he was just enraptured. So. My work here is done. But as we were doing that, young man called Quivine Kelleher was winning all sorts of headlines. Uh, back of the Independent, the best number two goalie in the world, Klopp hails the Corkman after a dramatic shootout victory. Uh, the back page of the star, is it the star? Yes, has heaven for Kell. Again, there he is with the cup, the Carabao Cup. Uh, over his head. Um, yeah, back of the Irish Daily Mail or inside the Irish Daily Mail, Kelleher is shootout hero for Liverpool. He's just all over the newspapers. It was a bizarre shootout, though. Trevor Welsh, presenter of The Score and, of course, Premier League Live at the weekend. Trevor, I'll start there. It was a, it was a bizarre shootout. Good morning. Good morning, uh, PJ. Uh, it was a bizarre one, all right? 11-10, uh, every player getting a getting a penalty from uh, from 1 to 11 and you know it was great to see Quivine keeping his cool he's a cool calm and collected guy but he used his scoring touch because he was a striker in his previous life with Ringmahan Rangers uh, PJ before he went on goal so he's used to hitting the back of the net and it was great to see him score what proved to be the winning penalty I mean he's the first Irish goalkeeper now to get his hands on the League Cup and he has enhanced his going reputation as an improving goalkeeper and he's uh, certainly in the right hands, you know, he's a great relationship with his manager, Jorgen Klopp. He trusted him and he never lets his manager down. But, uh, you know, it was, it was fantastic to see it. I'm seeing, being interviewed afterwards and really cool and calm. And his star is certainly on the rise, Beach. How well do you know the lad? Tell us about him, Trev. Yeah, I know him. I know him. I, I can't say I know him quite well. I had him on the programme. I had him on the score with me through COVID. Um, we did about a 10-minute interview. He was uh, very cool, very measured, kind of a kind of a shy guy. 
Um, but, uh, you know, he just loves football. No fuss. Uh, what you see is what you get with him. Mm. Um, you know, his mother texted me earlier, uh, Pete, from London. Well, I texted her first to say, you know, that uh, his dream has come true and it's uh, some fairy tale story. She just said that uh, she's thrilled for him. It's a Roy the Rovers fairy tale, just unreal. Mm. And it's, it's fabulous for the family. His, his brother, his older brother, Fikra, also plays professional football, Pete, with Bradford City. He signed a contract recently. So they're a great sporting family. Yeah. He's, he's a great shot stopper. Uh, he's a brilliant shot stopper. I mean, you know, the goalkeeping position, Pete, as you know, has, uh, you know, evolved over the years. It's not just about saving out your hands. He's brilliant with his feet as well. He's great distribution of the ball. Uh, you know, he's very good at playing the ball out from the back. He picks his passes as well. So that goalkeeping position I was, is more than just saving uh, shots. And, uh, you know, he's, he's with great goalkeeping coaches there. Mm. And he's going to be a top, top goalkeeper, uh, mm. Pete. You know, he's number two to Alisson, who's probably the best keeper in the world at the moment. Mm. He's number two mm. to Bazunu with Ireland. So, from an Irish point of view, it's brilliant for a future with two great goalkeepers. That's exactly uh, what I was going to say to you, because one of the things we, we, we lacked, I suppose, after the days of of the great um, Pecky Bonner and, and Given was we didn't have that quality. Now we have it in spades. Bazunu is brilliant, and this guy is his number two. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's a toss of the coin who you put in. You could argue that Quivine, you know, plays with probably the best club football team in the world and uh, he probably should be in and given his chance. He's only got two caps. Bazunu obviously has been brilliant when he's played. He's on loan at the moment for Man City. I think he's a Portsman. Uh, but um, I, I think Quivine Keller deserves a shot as well at the international front. He signed a five-year deal um, in the summer keeping him at Anfield until 2026 and he's going to push Alisson all the way, you know, for that number one spot. I think he'll stay at Liverpool to try and do that. Yeah. Obviously, there's a chance he might move on as well and he, he no doubt would play for any of the top five clubs in the Premier League. Like, page. Five, five years is a very big contract yeah. in the Premier League. I mean, the chances are he will he will eventually make uh, wear that number one jersey for Liverpool if he stay, would you think? I think he will. I think he will, uh, Pete. You know, when you think... Uh, of his fairy tale story. I mean, he played with Ringmahan Rangers as a kid, uh, played up front, scored 30 goals a season, and then the goalkeeper gets injured in one of the matches. He went on goal and he never came back out of it. I mean, he's 23 now. Um, he signed for Liverpool, Page in the summer of 2015 for 35,000. Imagine what Liverpool would get from now if he did what? move on. 35,000? Yeah, 35 grand is, is what uh, Liverpool paid from back in 2015. Sure, you'd, you'd get telephone numbers from now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he stars on the rise. He's 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 a really cool goalkeeper. Huge, huge self belief. Page, you saw that. You know, even in his interview yesterday, the way he carries himself. Mm. Um, you know, he won't get carried away. And uh, you know, he's going to. I think. I, I think he's going to be one of the top keepers in European, if not world football, in a few years' time. An exceptional talent. And between himself and, like you said, his brother Fiacra, keeping the British commentators on their toes. <laughs> They're still struggling with Quivine. They are, yeah. Uh, you're hearing it called uh, diff- different, different pronunciations of it. I heard uh, a few of the commentators in the, they've all called call them different. Yeah. Quivine and Quivan and Quivung. And, <laughs> and I'm thinking, his brother's name is what? Fikra, yeah. That's yeah. Thinking, don't, don't be trying to get... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one. Listen, Trevor, great to talk to you, man. And... Uh, Back at the weekend with Premier League Live and back at the score on Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. The story of glory that is Quivine Kelleher. A second 
goalkeeper, number two goalkeeper at Liverpool, signed a five-year contract, number two goalkeeper for Ireland. We have Bazunu and we have Kelleher. And what about the rest of the pitch? We're, we're well served in goal for the future. And a young lad from Cork, great proud moment for all his family and all his friends and all the rig man, all the ring man crowd. 35 grand he got sold for. What's he worth now? Pints are on him next time he's home, put it that way. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie It's your final week to win with the cash cow. And we've still got thousands and thousands of euro to give away. Can you milk from the Cork's 96 FM cash cow? Get the morning password with Casey and Ross from 6 a.m. Then listen across the day for your chance to play. Play. Take on the Cork's 96 FM cash cow. To win Mega Moolah. Win Mega Moolah. With Man Point for fashion, film, food, and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Man Point. See manpointsc.ie. Only on Cork's 96FM. That's it for today. The programme edited by Fiona Corker and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow, just after nine. When I heard-